Welcome. This is Dr. Owen Anderson for our weekly devotional. And this week I was reading through Judges chapter 10 and a couple of verses stood out to me. And what stood out to me about them was how much is done in just a couple of verses, how much is summarized in just these verses. Now, if you're reading through Judges, what you're seeing is roughly seven cycles. Say roughly, some might, might say, no, there's more or less. I think there's seven cycles of Judges. Sometimes there's more than one judge in a cycle, but seven cycles of judges, and they rule over Israel. And while there's a judge, there's a relative amount of peace. But after they pass away, the people tend to go their own direction. There's no king ruling them. So each one is doing what is right in his own eyes. And they're given over to their enemies. Now, there's a kind of natural consequence of not being united. And your enemies see that and can conquer you. There's also a natural consequence of what, what they were doing was they were going after the idols of their enemies. So their enemies might be doing some, worshiping some idol, say it's, it's Baal. And they're successful in the eyes of the world, so to speak. But Israel says we should worship that same God and we would be successful also. So that's also a natural consequence. You're giving yourself to your enemies. But behind all of those, it's not purely natural consequences. There's the, the providential rule of God to discipline his people. They were told to go into the land, make it their own. And if they do have neighbors, they're supposed to be teaching their neighbors. This is something we, we really never saw Israel do. Israel, although Israel is not being sent out into the whole world the way uh, we are in the gospel, with the gospel and the Great Commission, they still had neighbors for all those centuries. And they could have still been a light to their neighbors. In fact, I think that's what the candelabra in the temple signifies, being a light. And they were very rarely a light. Almost their entire history is one of compromise and the consequences of that compromise. And then when the Pharisees, who are perhaps the most strict, and they've learned that lesson and will never compromise again, they miss the meaning of the law in their legalism. So Judges is a story of that, of compromising, and specifically with Baal and Ashtoreth, a male and female deity who together have a, a child, the golden calf. And so they're worshiping these, as well as it says the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the law. This is chapter 10, verse 9. They forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So in God's providential rule, they're given over to their own unbelief to reveal that unbelief so they can be sanctified. It's very, the, the image used in scripture is one of uh, purifying a metal and it's put into the heat so that the dross is brought to the surface and then it's cleaned off and it could be go through that process seven times and it's purified through that process. So too here we see they're given over to their own sin that remains and they turn away. And it says in verse seven, the anger of the Lord burns hot against them. But so what's interesting is I think the anger of the Lord is, is a kind of uh, uh, loss of a temper, but that's to anthropomorphize God and, and think of him as, as we might do things. What we'll see though, is that the anger of the Lord is disciplinary. God is disciplining his people, and I just use that image of, of dross and metal being brought out through heat. And so the way he does that is it says in verse 8, from that year they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years.
all the children who are on the other side of the Jordan, the land of the Amorites and Gilead. And moreover, the people of Amnon cross over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. So look at the process here. They've compromised and done evil by going after other gods. The Lord is angry, and they're not serving the Lord. They don't love God. They love other things much more than God. The Lord is angry, and in his anger, he hands them over to these other peoples, and they're disciplined. And what does that work in Israel? It works repentance. It works repentance. In verse 10, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you. And they name their sin, because we have forsaken our God and served the Baals. So what's amazing is that they do name their sin. We have sinned against you because of forsaken God. Two parts. They've forsaken God. They have not worshipped God as they should have. And then they have served the Baals, the other gods. And then so God says, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines and also Sidon, Sidonians and Amalekites and Maonites who oppressed you? So all these gods are going after, aren't these the, the peoples I delivered you from, God says? And you cry out to me and I delivered you from their hand. Now, this is not just God, so to speak, giving a guilt trip. This is God recounting his mighty works, which is that by which we know God. They should have known God through these things, and they didn't. And it, it increases their culpability, yet you've forsaken me to serve other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go out. And cry to the gods, which you've chosen, let them deliver you in your time of distress. So there is this truth that we only come to God when things get difficult. And that's, this is one of the things I like about this verse is it emphasizes how natural evil works. We're going along either neutral or doing well, and we don't really have to think about anything. Nothing's urgent or pressing. We can just enjoy life. And that enjoyment tends to lead us into idolatry. But what happens when we have suffering in our life is then we stop and think. And for the believer, it makes them cry out to God and confess their sins. And that's what Israel uh, doubles down on in, in verse 15. Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you, but deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods that were among them and served the Lord. And his, his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. So a couple things then as this wraps up here. We have sinned. They commit themselves to the hands of God and pray for deliverance. And then it's not just saying we've sinned. They act, they actively get rid of these foreign gods from among them. They, they get rid of those and, and turn to serve the Lord due to us. Now, his, his, uh, his soul could no longer endure with Israel. It's a kind of argument they gave to God. Look, we're now serving you. We're pursuing you. We're seeking you. We're putting away our other gods, but we're in your hands. And so that addresses the disciplinary work of God in our life. And in that context, you see his response as a, as a father. We pray our, our father in heaven, his response to the children that he's redeemed is to protect them and, and uh, help them to prosper because they've addressed their sin. They've confessed their sin. So, so much was contained here just between verses 10 and 15 or up to 6 and 15. I thought that's amazing. That really gives a whole pattern of how God works and how we should 
we should see repentance on our own life when, when sin has been exposed and brought out. So thank you for joining me for our weekly devotion.